This is The Guardian. A dangerous killer is coming for our bees. Hornets will hover backwards and forwards with their eyes focused. And as soon as a bee comes past their sight line, they will aim to grab that bee. These aren't just any hornets. They're elite predators. And this year they've arrived on our shores in numbers never seen before. The hornet will, will take her prize up into a nearby tree or onto a branch somewhere and she will dismember it. These hornets strip their prey of the wings, legs and head and devour the protein-rich thorax. I suppose it's a bit like when we eat a prawn or something. We'll take off its outer coating and its legs and then we'll just eat the really juicy bit inside. The Asian or yellow-legged hornet is feared by beekeepers across Europe. And it's not just our precious pollinators we need to be scared for. They also enjoy eating the species that help recycle our waste, like flies. Now, experts are rushing to find out if they're established here, because once they are, they're almost impossible to get rid of. Government and scientists will have a massive fight on their hands, just to keep them under control. So, how worried should we be? And what are our crack team of hornet hunters doing to stop them in their tracks? From The Guardian, I'm Madeline Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Professor Juliet Osborne, you're Chair in Applied Ecology at the University of Exeter, and you've been studying the Asian or yellow-legged hornet for a while now. So tell me a bit about this species. Yeah, so the yellow-legged hornet, also known as the Asian hornet, is one of the species that is native to Southeast Asia. They have about 22 hornet species in Asia. This particular uh, species lives in southwest China and in Nepal and the Bhutan area. It's a bit smaller than our European hornet, but much larger than a wasp in size, one of our common wasps. And if you want to identify it, it's got a dark or black body mostly and head, but with an orange face and an orange band near the tail area, and it does have these yellow legs and feet, which are quite distinctive. These hornets are uh, predators and scavengers, so they want to take protein uh, bait back to the nest to feed their larvae. And to do that, they'll feed on live insects and spiders as well, but they'll also feed on the flesh of dead animals. And they will feed on flowers for nectar to get some sugary energy, if you like, as adults, and also the juice of rotting fruit. So they're really generalist. They live in social nests that are constructed of chewed up wood, which looks very like a wasp's nest, actually, but they can be quite large, like the size of a football. And they will often be very high up in trees. Each nest has one queen who lays all the eggs. And all of those eggs will develop as worker hornets. And those are the ones that will go out to forage for food and bring that back to the larvae in the nest. So they're originally from Southeast Asia. They're not native to Europe or to the UK, but they've they've ended up here. But how did they make their way over? 
really the spread of these species from their native areas is all down to the fact that we're a very globalized world. We have a huge amount of trade between all the countries. So lots of little animals and plants stow away, if you like, and make it to all sorts of different countries where they didn't originate. They were first found in France in the Bordeaux region back in 2004. And it was conjectured that they arrived on a consignment of pottery from China. France wasn't really ready to take any plans to deal with this uh, hornet as it came over. And consequently, they spread pretty quickly through France and through northern Spain now and into Belgium and Germany. And actually, we've been sort of awaiting their arrival here on in the mainland UK for several years. And actually, this year, they've come in much larger numbers, or they've been found in much larger numbers, at least, than we've had in previous years. And why has that got a lot of beekeepers and experts like yourself worried? Why are these hornets such an issue? So this hornet has found a real niche in Europe, if you like. They tend to home in on aggregations of insects where there's lots of insects flying around. Um, And of course, honeybee hives have lots of bees going backwards and forwards. So the hornets will home in at the entrance of the honeybee hives and pick off those honeybees. But also the bees don't like coming out to go and collect nectar if there's hornets outside. So they just stop foraging. And that means that the honeybee hive itself can actually starve. It doesn't have enough honey to go through the winter. They're also eating a lot of native insects, although the impact on native insects, we still need to gather more evidence as to which ones are really particularly affected. And of course, the third reason we need to be a bit cautious is They're also quite happy to build their nests in urban and suburban areas. Of course, they're stinging insects. And if anyone disturbs a nest, there's a possibility of getting stung multiple times. Although when the hornets are just going about their business, they're very unlikely to attack anyone. So the yellow-legged hornets are established in Europe, and particularly so in France and Spain. How much do we understand about their impact there? The evidence is quite mixed, but certainly some beekeepers are reporting losing 30 to 50% of their hives, which is quite dramatic. And this might be because those hives have starved rather than because all the bees have been killed. So they are going to have an impact. And that may mean that beekeepers actually decide that it's too hard to keep their bees anymore. Some of the sort of hobbyist beekeepers may decide, you know what, this isn't fun anymore. Um, And in certain areas of northern Spain and France, they're so numerous. You see lots of them at this time of year and you actually don't see many of the sort of local native wasp species anymore. Although it's going to take several years before we realise how dramatic that impact really is. So, as you said, we've been waiting for the arrival of the yellow-legged hornet for, for some time. But they're already a bit of a problem in Guernsey and Jersey, crossing the channel from France. So, tell me a bit about how they've been handling it there, how they've been tracking and taking out these hornets. So, the state of Jersey have had an active plan, a sort of rapid response to any sightings, and they've been really good at their public campaigns As most people know what they look like, they will report those sightings. And then uh, both the state of Jersey individuals and also this amazing group of volunteers, most of whom are beekeepers, but not all of them, uh, will spring into action to try and find the nest of the hornet. And to do that, you need to attract the hornets to a sort of bait station. So you've got individual hornets and then you need to find the way back to their nest so that the nest can be controlled or destroyed, if you like. The team of Asian hornet hunters are extremely active 
and really good at tracking these nests down. So once you've caught a hornet in your bait trap, when you let it go, how do you follow it back to its nest it's a challenge with a tiny (laughs) insect um i've spent quite a lot of my career trying to find ways to track insects bees mainly um but this presented a different challenge and there are different methods so the the method that they're using mostly in jersey at the moment is simply by following by eye where the hornet will fly to when it starts to return to its nest from a bait station. So the bait station's got sticky, uh, sugary solution that the hornet feeds on. And then when she leaves, the volunteers will watch the direction she goes in. And then they'll gradually move that bait station closer in the direction of the nest. And they will also time how long it takes her to go back to the nest and come back to the bait station. And over the years, they've really uh, developed a method for understanding how far away that means the nest probably is. What we've developed at the University of Exeter is a method for tagging the individual hornets with a radio transmitter, a bit like the transmitters that you see on wildlife programs where they're tracking lions and tigers and bears. Um, But we've attached a tiny, tiny one. And using that, we can use an aerial and we can radio track that hornet as she flies back to her nest and establish the nest. I can't imagine it's that easy attaching a tracker to a hornet (laughs) no so my colleague peter kennedy uh did this very carefully and he will chill the hornet in some ice first so she stops moving around too much and then we sort of put her very gently in a, a secure position on a little uh specially made a little holding station if you like and then what we would normally do if we're trying to track insects is put something on their back the back of their body as they fly but in this case because hornets carry their prey under their bodies like a shopping bag we thought we'd put the tag underneath so we 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 strap it around her waist and hang it underneath her body and then she's happily she'll well i don't know if she's happy or not but she will fly off and she will go back to her nest In some sense, these hornets aren't going anywhere and this is going to be a battle every year. So how prepared are we, do you think? The UK government have been really well prepared. They did their risk assessment to see how likely it was that these hornets would come over and where they were likely to come over. They did that back in 2011. So we've been well prepared for their arrival and with a rapid response plan in place. The government have a national uh, bee unit who have bee inspectors and they um, increase awareness of the hornets amongst beekeepers and the public. And the public can share their sightings via the Asian Hornet Watch app, which has been developed. And if they can share a photo, that's the best thing, because then a group of people at the Centre for Ecology and Hydrology go through all of those photos and possible sightings and sift them down to the ones which actually are yellow-legged or Asian hornets, which is actually a very small percentage of the sightings that are sent in. So about 0.1% of them are actually Asian hornets. Then uh, the bee inspectors or a group of bee inspectors uh, will go to that area and try and pinpoint where those hornets are. And then they will go into the process of trying to find the nest and then we'll destroy it if that is possible. And I think the best we can hope for is to slow the speed of that spread and to limit the damage they cause I doubt whether we're going to be able to eradicate them. So if these hornets have become established and we haven't found all of the nests that are out there and they end up, you know, staying over winter and multiplying, what kind of scenario are we looking at here? 
they will certainly become more common. So they may well displace several of our native insects, uh, probably mostly the, some of the wasps and flies, actually, which they seem to be particularly keen on feeding on, as well as honeybees. Of course, the hornet itself could be a pollinator in its own right. Um, and I think another thing we need to be aware of and make sure we have in place is to make sure pest control companies are trained and ready to deal with any that are in suburban or urban areas to sort of manage any issues that we have there. And we may get increases in some things which feed on those hornets. For example, there's some sort of anecdotal evidence on the continent that there's more birds such as bee eaters and honey buzzards around because they have all of the hornets to feed on. Um, and beekeepers will learn to manage them. So from a point of view of if they're a pest of honeybees, I think beekeepers will find their ways over the years and the honeybees themselves may adapt. So rather than thinking of a worst case scenario, I like to try and think about ways in which we could manage to live with them and alongside them because they are quite amazing insects despite some of the damage they're doing. Just last week, there was also a news report about red fire ants being found in Italy. And it feels as if invasive species are just becoming more of a problem. Is that true? And I guess if it is, what do we need to do about it in your view? Yeah, it's true that there are more invasive species causing more problems in more places. (laughs) That is absolutely no doubt true. And it's also true that not nearly enough attention possibly and resource has been spent on managing them because we have lots of evidence to show that if you manage their spread or aim to eradicate them early doors at the first sign of trouble if you like then that's an awful lot more efficient resource wise and a lot more effective for the natural environment than if you leave them until they become a real problem you're going to spend more money on trying to control them later so there's no doubt that um, invasive species are uh, one of the biggest threats to our natural native ecosystems across the world. And actually, these social insects such as ants, hornets, wasps, and indeed, in some cases, bees, are are ones that are doing very well under certain circumstances with regard to climate change, which means they can spread into different regions that they might not have survived well in before. But of course, we as humans are have roots all over the world of trade, which are spreading the species. So if they can get somewhere, then they're more likely to survive, if you like. And Julia, I'd love to get your reflections on our perceptions of invasive species, because even if we don't want them here, even if they're a massive ecological threat, I mean, when it comes to the hornets, it sounds like you really like them. And I have a lot of sympathy, you know, they're just here doing their thing. Yeah, and and we're the ones who brought them here, right? (laughs) So we can't blame the hornets, I don't think. Um, And there is a, you know, there's a school of thought that actually with the climate changing, we are going to have to learn to live in different ecosystems with different communities of animals and plants. So some people are quite pragmatic about that. I'm sort of slightly on the fence about it. They are fascinating creatures and I think we need to learn more about them. Of course, I'm going to say that. I'm an ecologist. (laughs) Um, And certainly management will be necessary in some cases. But actually, maybe it's about understanding what the public generally feel about that and how important they are to, to think about whether we want nature to say exactly as it is or whether some level of change is acceptable and what levels of change we will and won't accept is a sort of more of a public and social debate I think. Well it's been absolutely fascinating thank you so much. Thank you I've really enjoyed it. Thanks again to Professor Juliet Osborne. 
And for more on how Europe is coping with a changing environment, definitely tune in to Thursday's episode of Science Weekly. Ian Sample is going to be hearing about the mystery of Europe's heat death hotspot and what could be behind it. But that's it from us today. This episode was produced by me, Madeleine Finlay. It was sound designed by Solomon King. And the executive producer is Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Thursday. And Ian Sample, we'll see you then. Britney's getting divorced, Lizzo's in hot water, and I am still not over Barbenheimer. There is so much to catch up on. But don't worry, The Guardian's pop culture with me, Shantae Joseph, is back. We'll go beyond the gossip with smart takes on the latest pop and internet trends. If it's got you talking, I have got you covered. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Guardian.